0: This message is brought to you by 12 Stone Church. Please enjoy Pastor Brian Tome as he delivers the week one teaching from the series, Big C Church. Please enjoy.
1: Welcome to 12 Stone Summer. Today is week one of celebrating and learning from the Big C Church. Here's what I mean. I love being a part of 12 Stone and what we get to do together. And God is leading us to be a live-sent church, to be on mission wherever he has us on the map, to join God in rescuing and transforming lives. And there is no one on earth I'd rather do life with than you. 12 Stoners are my favorite peeps on earth. So where am I going with this? Well, I love 12 Stone. I recognize that 12 Stone is not the only church on earth. We are one of many little seat churches in the the grand scheme of God moving across many churches. And every once in a while, we need a healthy dose of God's hand moving and teaching from sister churches because we are part of God's bigger church. So let me introduce to you Brian home. He pastors Crossroads Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. We met in 2001 and have benefited from what God is doing in each other's church. Crossroads is breaking ground in the use of technology for church and culture with a huge heart for people who are far from God. And I told Brian, I wanted to use his series, Real Encounters with God, particularly the one on finding transformation. He, he takes us over to the Holy Land and draws from a, a couple of great Bible stories on location. And more importantly, he draws us into the power of God for transforming our lives. So get your Bibles and teaching notes as Brian teaches us. Today is going to mark your life for good.
2: I'm here with my friend Mohammed, a real shepherd over in Israel, and he's doing something that a great Bible hero did, King David. We're going to talk about him today as we try to have a real encounter with God. Go get him. Go get him. (laughs) A real encounter with God. Mohammed is like David was. In the very earliest years of his life, Muhammad and David oversaw sheeps like this. And this enabled David to understand how God would form him. Today we're going to have a real encounter with God, a real one. And we're going to have things in common with David. David started as a lowly shepherd boy. He had amazing success in a battle we'll talk about. Then he had some major pain of heartbreak. And then he had riches again. It's like rags, riches, rags, riches. That's the way his life went as he had a real encounter with God, growing to be who God wanted him to be. You might be very low right now. Guess what? You're going to get higher. You might be very high right now. You're going to get lower at some point. Through that all, God is equipping us to have the life that He's designing us to have. And David, I see his humility. I see his strength. I see him rolling with the punches. And it starts with creatures like this. And today you're going to have a real encounter with God and try to learn from the master David as you allow God to shepherd you. Me there Was, wasn't expecting you to be there. Well, as we talk about David, you can't talk about David unless you understand transformation. He is a guy who gets transformed by God. And that's something that I want for you today. I want that in your entire life. I want you to feel and sense God changing you. That's what he does. He's in the business of transformation. You can't talk about David either unless you talk about the most famous scene in his life, arguably the most famous scene in the entire Bible. One of the stories that cuts across all cultures and all religions that people least know of, it's the story of David and Goliath. You could be an atheist who's never been to church in America and you've heard of this story. And because of that, I'm always stupefied when I go over to Israel and I go to where that took place. We know definitively where it took place that there sort of aren't money-making opportunities there. All the places we're going in this series, they're A sites, meaning no question, this is where that took place. And where we're going to go right now is absolutely where David met Goliath and pretty pristine. There's a massive road that goes through, through the side of it, but it's pretty undisturbed and it's pretty cool. Let's go look at this because this story means something about the character of God who transforms. And it means something about how He may want to transform you.
3: 1 Samuel 17, verse 40 and 48 through 49. David took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand and he approached Goliath. When Goliath arose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground.
2: So David has this humble beginnings. And now we're in a place where he starts to kind of have a meteoric rise. He goes from being a shepherd to being an amazing warrior in the most publicized and well-known battle in the history of the world, David and Goliath. Give us a little rundown of that.
4: Well, we are standing here, as you said, in the Elah Valley. The Bible describes exactly that location. It speaks about the Philistines standing from one side on top of these hills around us, and the Israelites at the other side. And the valley, the Elah Valley, is between them. Which is where we are. Exactly where we are.
2: So David sees this huge guy, he's taunting the nation of Israel. He's going, come on, send me down your best guy, send me down your best guy. And David shows up and no one is willing to step up, are they?
4: You're right, yeah. This young guy, this young boy is coming from Bethlehem, which is not very far from here. He's coming to see his brothers, which he probably admires. They are in the front lines. They're fighting, you know, so-called for the nation. And you get there and you see that there is a guy from the enemies keep on cursing their God, his God, and no one is doing anything. No one, including the king himself. Who is the biggest guy in the nation? Yeah, he was considered to be a high, you know, guy probably. Also, people looked at him really physically as a high guy. We know there is a giant, but the young boy, he shows a lot of faith and a lot of anger when it's related to his God.
2: So here we have the small guy who's gonna get stuff done, and we see him aggressive. When you have a real encounter with God, You have to be in aggression mode. You can't just sit back and hope everything works well. And we see that David does this. He actually runs to the fight. He runs down this hill and he picks up some stones here in the brook. And since this is a real encounter, I think I'm going to have to do that right now. I thought you would. I mean, how can you not run down the exact hill that David ran down and like reenact that? So you should do that. I will wait here. I trust that you will do great. All right, so we're going to have a real encounter. And I just hope I, my face doesn't have a real encounter with the ground on the way down. Let's go, let's do this. All right, let me give you some context for this. Initially, this whole scene was supposed to be down in the valley. And I looked up at this hill and was like, wait a minute, that's, that's the hill David came down. Why, why, why are we not like doing that? And they said, well, we could do that if you want. And we got drones and stuff. I said, yeah, heck yeah, man. How often do I get to actually retrace the journey of David going to fight against Goliath? So I'm up there on top. I'm thinking this is going to be awesome. This is going to be great. Here's what I didn't realize. I was very careful of noticing where the footholds were on the way walking up that mountain. And I thought there's no need to like prove myself here at all. I'm just going to like kind of trot down and get the sense of the lay of the land. I haven't run downhill like forever. Have you ever? When's the last time you actually ran downhill? I'm not talking about those of you who are eight. Actually, those of you who are eight don't even run anymore. You just play video games. Back in my day, we used to actually run when we were outside. We used to have recess. We used to do stuff outside the house and run and roll downhill. I haven't tried to run down a hill. In fact, I haven't even run on anything that wasn't moving mechanically inside of an air conditioned unit in an air conditioning building for a long, long time. So. I'm just going to trot down. But here's what I forgot. If you're going down a hill, guess what? Gravity is pulling you down. So what starts just a nice trot turns into my body is coming down the mountain and the rest of my body, my legs, I'm having to move my legs just to keep up with my body that's falling down the mountain. And on treacherous, treacherous running conditions, I get, end up being in a full out sprint. The worst conditions I can imagine, I would just I got to tell you. I'm pretty impressed with myself I got down the bottom of that hill with every limb perfectly intact. Man, my my throat was not good at all. (laughs) Dude, I, I thought David was a manly man all along. But after that, I can't imagine running down there, getting stones and having pinpoint accuracy to hit a guy in the forehead and kill him. David, David, at this point, when he falls down dead, he goes over, he takes his big sword, bigger than he probably might have been, takes his big sword, goes, bam! He comes down, he whacks his head off, grabs his head, lifts it up to the army and says, Who wants to follow my God? Who wants to follow my God? At that point, the armies are just ready. They come streaming down this whole place. And the Philistines are waiting on the other side. They see what's happening. They've lost all momentum. And the day is one and a star is born. It's like the story should end right there. But it doesn't. Just when you think like life couldn't get any better, and it's all like peaches and herbs from here on. Remember them peaches and herbs? Those old man. I don't know. That's a stupid line. But another just when you think it'll be all all him going on and on and on and on, he has major major difficulties. This is what's like with us. We have a major battle. We have a high, 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 and we think we're going to be OK, and we're not because life happens. And then David goes down in a literal spiritual valley. That's what we're going to look at next. Maybe it's where you are. Maybe you're going to be there someday, but we need to have a real encounter with the real God that David encountered in his life.
3: 1 Samuel 22, 1 and 2. David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him, and he became their commander. About 400 men were with him.
2: From the point of David taking Goliath's head off, his life is up and to the right. I mean, things are going amazing for him. He becomes a warrior. He starts winning battle after battle. He has people who emulate him and they come to be around him. They're called the mighty men. They're all for battle. And his reputation grows to the point where they're they're making top 40 songs about him. It says something like this, Saul has killed his thousands and David has killed his tens of thousands. Saul, the king, the huge king who is now threatened by this upcoming warrior who's getting all these accolades. And so as a result, Saul is very, very insecure. And so he amasses his army to go after David. And David has got to go on the run. I don't know if you've ever had this before where things are going really well and all of a sudden there's a switch, there's a turn and you've got to go on a run. David goes from being physically low in the Valley of Allah against Goliath to be physically high up in this area where we are right now. I'm in the area that's called the Cave of Adulam. You can read about in the Bible. It's where J- David goes to escape Saul, who's trying to kill him. And you might know somebody who's been to Israel before. And if they ever like, go, oh, yeah, I went to Israel. I went to Israel. I went. You just say to them, have you ever been to the Cave of Agilom? And they'll probably go, the Cave of Agilom? They probably haven't even heard of it. It's a key pivotal point in David's life. If they have heard of it, you're not going to find anyone who's been there because not in the normal tourist scene. We're here right now. The Cave of Agilom is up on the hill. And it's a series of caves that goes all throughout this area. And there's a bunch of holes and we're not sure exactly which hole that David went into. But we do know this, that he went in there to hide out, to find a safe place to get away from the tension in his life. You might have had tension in your life before. And don't you just need a safe place, a place to sort of escape to? This is where David went. While he was emotionally down, he goes to a place to retreat. He comes in here into the cave of Ajlam. We're having real experience with God. I will tell you, going in here is going to be a real experience. Very few people go inside of these things. Uh, it could be very dangerous. In fact, one thing you're supposed to do is find a rock and throw it in there because hyenas are in the area and you want to scare them. So see if they come out Let's see if we got any in here. Ow! You hurt me. No, I didn't hit anybody. OK, no one's going there. So we're going to go in As I tell you, this is a little freaky because there are scorpions all around this area and also poisonous snakes. Um, so we're having a real encounter with the real God. Hopefully I don't have a real encounter with something that kills me dead. So let's go and we're going to talk about that inside here. David goes from the high place to the low place, to the dark place. It's a place that none of us like to be. We do everything we can to stay out of the low place. We will manipulate situations to keep us out of here. When we are feeling down in a low, dark place, we'll blame it on God. How could you possibly do this to me? You're not loving. Or we use it as validation that God doesn't exist. See, I know God doesn't exist. I'm going to be an atheist or I'm going to be an agnostic. Or we play the victim. Somebody else has done all this stuff to me. Or we, or we deny. Oh, no, I'm OK. No, no, everything, everything is fine. No, 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 everything's good. Happy thoughts, happy thoughts. Because we don't really know how to wrestle with how to feel the level of constriction and confinement being in a low and dark place. No one likes it. We want to get out of here. And here's the, here's the, here's the big idea. We have got to embrace when we're in the low place, when we're in the dark place, because it is in those places that God does a kind of work on us that He doesn't do when we're up on the mountain in the sunlight. We don't like it, but we need God's transforming power when we're in the low place. Some of the hugest lessons I've learned about God and the biggest things God's used to build me and grow me have happened in the low place. Our first daughter, was an unexpected pregnancy. That was a low place, not because she was going to come in the world and be an amazing blessing, but because it was unexpected. We had no insurance to cover a pregnancy. And the same day I found that out, I found out my church that I worked at was cutting my salary in half. That was a low place. Before we came to Cincinnati, we had the opportunity. So we thought to go out to California and take on an established church. It was a plum job. It was, it was, it was like perfect and we interviewed, it went great. And Lib and I had heard as clearly as we ever thought we could that God was saying, this is the place. We were ready. We were making plans. And then the call came and something happened and they were going to take somebody else. And it was as if the evil one himself just snatched that away. We were convinced that something had happened in the spiritual realm because this was not the will of God. We were in a low place. Awful times at Crossroads when during a, a major Christmas production awaited. We had, we, had a, we had a woman fall to her death on opening night. I'll tell you what, you're talking about low, low place? Try to figure out what's the ramifications on her family's life? What's the ramifications on the church? What's this look like legally? What's this look like for me? Guys, it's a sign of some sort, the low place. And here's, here's a really wild thing. In all of those situations, I can look back now and see that that low place was exactly what I needed. I needed to trust God that He was in control of my family and everything in my family, even when financially it didn't make sense. In reality, she was born at the right time. I wouldn't want to wait another year. I shudder to think what would have happened had I gone to California and not to Cincinnati. What an awful life. Jeez, stick a fork in me if that's where I'm going to live the rest of my life. I love where I am. I I love everything about the area I live in. I love the the thing that God has enlisted me and including me in His kingdom. I love that. And while the pain still lingers for Carrie's death, there are ways that that formed our church in dependence on God and trust of God. And actually there were ways that that thing took people who had lost people years, decades ago, and they saw what it looked like to grieve as we grieved as a church and our church and individuals got spiritually healthy. These are just some of my low places and how I've seen God transform me and transform situations. And I know that you have them too. I know that in your low place, you want out of it. You don't want to be there. Yeah, I'm telling you, you got to be there. you got to hang there. In fact, that low place is the start of where God builds you to. When David was in this low place, in this cave, I don't know where in this cave, there's so many passages. but he was in this cave, hunkered down, having a pity party, praying to God, people started coming in. Maybe one person came in that passageway, another one through here, people started coming around because they heard, hey, this guy who's really powerful is coming here and he's in a low place and I'm in a low place too. It says that 400 people who were one of three things, distressed, in debt or discontented, all came and gathered here and they hunkered together and God formed them together. It was the beginning of a new movement that would go across this land. When David comes out of this cave, he is a new man because He's been formed, He's been transformed. If you want a real encounter with God, you've got to embrace that in your low place, that's where God can do a specific work that He can't do and won't do any other place. You've got to embrace it and you've got to lean into it. And you've just got to allow Him to work in you and see things you hadn't seen before and feel things you don't want to feel and think things that are scary thoughts to you and roll with the punches as they come. It will end, it will, it will, it will end. But you've got to stay there you got to man up. you got to keep your chin up while you keep your head bowed in reverence. That day will end. And it will end in a good way so long as you go with the transforming experience that David is having in God's hands. I want to hit the pause button for just a moment right now. We'll get back to it. But I think it's helpful right now to hear a story from somebody who has been transformed and is still being transformed. His name is Will. He's a part of Crossroads, has been for a while. His his kids take advantage of Kids Club. He's a leader in the man camp movement. And he has something to tell us and something we can learn from. And with him is Chuck Mingo, our Oakley campus pastor. And so let's go ahead and check in with them and see what we can learn about his story and apply it to the story of transformation that God may be about to do if he's not doing already in our own lives. So, Will, we are in front of a baptismal
5: tub and there's a reason for that. This is a place where you had a real encounter with God. Um, How would you say you experienced God at this baptismal pool?
0: Well, before this moment, I grew up in a a very abusive home. Um, It was both uh, Physical and, and verbally abusive. Um, I would get beat with extension cords, telephone cords, uh, and at one point, two by fours. And it wasn't so much the the physical as 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 much as it was the uh, the verbal attacks, just telling me that I would never amount to anything, telling me that I was stupid, I would never do anything with my life, and. At, at that time, this was the only person that I had. My, my father was, wasn't around, so I'm hearing these things from the only person in my life that is that's supposed to love me. And, and if she's telling me these things, then, I mean, after a while, you, you kind of start to accept it. She never hugged me, never told me that she loved me, never told me she was proud of me for anything. How did being treated that way affect your behavior? It was hard because I would go to school and, and try to hide the, the welts. I would oftentimes um, get in get into fights. I just I, I treated others the way, pretty much the way I was treated. That's, that was all that I that I knew.
5: What what are some examples of how that how that impacted your relationship with women growing up that way?
0: How can I love a woman? Or how can I be nurturing to, to my children when, when I didn't experience those things growing up? So I thought th- that just being a provider was was good enough. And it's like, okay, well, you're a great provider, but you're a lousy dad. You're, you're a lousy husband. You talked about not feeling like you had anybody
5: to count on in your life. And there was really one exception to that.
0: Yes, well, uh, I grew up with, uh, with a friend. His name is Lewis. Um, I was going through hard times back in 2010. My wife had divorced me, so this guy was almost like a used car salesman. I mean, you know, he was on it. I mean, and, and I fought him for a number of years because I, I, I thought he was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as, as I was thinking back, he really was the only consistent person in my, in my life. I mean, whenever I went through hard times or adversity, he was always a real friend. He told me what I needed to hear as opposed to what I wanted to hear. I I heard a voice in the back of my head just say, it's time for you to go. It's, It's time for you to go to church.
2: Amen. As David's in here, he's doing business with God. He pulls out his journal, starts praying and writing it down. Much of it is in the book of Psalms. This Psalm was commonly believed to be written in this spot. It's Psalm 57. And David says this to God. Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me, for in you my soul takes refuge in the shadow of your wings. I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame those who trample on me. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. He knows he's down, but he knows God will fulfill his purpose. He will lift him up. And I'm telling you, you may not feel it in the moment, but you need to tell yourself, no, there is a God who knows me and is forming me and he can do with me what he wants. And he will have his way and he will eventually lift me up. David is inside this, this area and he's these people are all around him They've been trying to find him. They come and he's with his mighty men and he starts longing to get out of the cave. He starts longing for some of the good things of his previous life. And he goes, oh, oh, wouldn't I just love to taste the water of my favorite well in Bethlehem? Mm, mm." He, he He just says it out loud and his friends, those who have been in a low place with them, they hear them, they go, hey, hey, hey let's, let's help our friend. It's interesting. You see people gather around you when you're in your place. You get to lean a community that you wouldn't when you're on top. When you're on top, guess what? You're alone. <laughs> when you're down lower, you get to be with other people. And some of those mighty men, they head out of here and they get through enemy lines. They get to Bethlehem. They get water and they carry water. These water carriers come over and they come back in and say, hey, I understand you want this water. Here it is. And they give this water to him. He looks at this water and he just, he dumps it up, he pours it out. He says, this kind of sacrifice is only worthy of God this is an act of worship and it's only worthy of God. I'm not worthy of this. Isn't this interesting? He goes from having a pity party, thinking about himself to now he's thinking about God and giving Him worship. You know you've turned the corner. When you stop thinking about you and your situation, you start thinking about God and all of His, all of His mighty men who would have been, who would have been gathered around this area. If I'm them, I'm going to be going, Oh, my gosh, we just lift, we, we, we risked our life and limb. We come in here and he, and he pours water out and just sees it go all over these rocks. you think they'd be upset. You know what they do? They go, yep, yep, that's my guy. That's why I follow you, because you follow God and you have something deep in your fiber that other people don't have. That's why I will follow you. That's why I'll be committed to you forever. And your greatness will always be dependent on what God is doing in you and how dependent you are on him and how other people trust you. And guess what? People, they, they just, this <laughs> is big, it's big, it's big. If you're gonna do something really big in your life, you have to have other people. And the thing is, other people don't trust people who don't behave well in the cave. Other people don't know if they can depend on somebody unless they're secure enough to stay down to stay in the low place. But when you have your character formed that way and people see that, they will rally and you'll be part of something that could change things that you can't do on your own. And it's not about changing things. The main thing is understanding you've been transformed by God and it's time to get up and out. It's time to move on to the next place.
0: I heard a voice in the back of my head just say, it's time for you to go. It's, it's time for you to go to church. So Lou is this faithful <laughs>
5: presence in your life. He invites you to Crossroads. So do you remember the first time you came to Crossroads? This
0: brother, you, you thought he hit the lottery. <laughs> I mean, he was just on the phone, just screaming and yelling. He was, he was just so excited that, that I was coming to, coming to church with him. Wow. When did you know it was
5: time to get baptized? Was that something Lou was talking with you about? What, what, what led to that? Uh-huh. I just
0: knew in my heart that, that it was time. Give us a definition of baptism. What did it mean for you to go under the water and come up? What it, what it meant to me was that I was, I was dying to, to that old life of, of being, being angry, the, the abuse and everything that I encountered, um, my, my divorce, which was totally my fault, uh, how I treated my kids. I, I was dying to all of that, and I was, I was being, born, being born again. I felt free, mm-hmm. freedom, mm-hmm. freedom from that life. One of the
5: things that happened after baptism is at some point Lewis invited you into a group, a, a guy's group, right
0: Lewis, I went around the room and asked us to uh, pretty much just to share our stories with with the group um, and I shared mine about my abusive uh, childhood and in uh, detail like in, you could... in, in detail in detail and. Uh, a brother, John, he just looked at me, and he said, you have to forgive her. And I thought to myself. <laughs> meaning you have to forgive your mom. I, meaning I have to forgive my mom. Well, he looked at me right in the face and said, you, you need to forgive her, and, and it, it, don't make it about her. It's not about her. You have to forgive her for your salvation. And at that, at that point, it was just like, wow. I set up a, a, a meeting to uh, meet with my mom at, at my house. And I just told her how I felt, um, how she made me feel growing up. And I forgave her. I forgave her. It made me look at myself as, as a father and say, hey, you need to fix X, Y, and Z with, with your children. So I would bring all the kids and get all the kids together with my mom. And we would just go out and just meet and just, just do things together. So you literally are taking new ground and showing your kids a relationship um, that you never got to experience. Absolutely. And um, just trying to just introduce them to God and and hopefully so that they can see how the Lord has changed me. And and hopefully they will just just follow in those footsteps. So how
5: has having this encounter, Lou, and the the baptism, how has it changed how
0: you see God? Is just mind blowing that, that he brought me from that point to, to where I am now. I'm finally in, in a place where I, I, I can, you know, just love my children unconditionally, unlike what, what I experienced. David gets out of the low place.
2: He gets out of the dark place. And he starts to rise again, and he rises not because he pulls himself up by his own bootstraps, he rises because of the transforming power of God. That same power is available to you and I. In fact, we actually have it better than David had it because God came later on actually through His seed, through partially His DNA. And Jesus came and walked this earth. Remember we did Capernaum last week? We talked about people saying, Jesus, son of David, We have something that He had except better. We have actually Jesus Himself, God Himself, that's able to come inside of us, transform us, empower us, comfort us, do for us what we can't do for ourselves. But we have to receive Him. It's not just a philosophy, it's not just an ideology. We have to receive Him. I don't know if you've ever done that before. I did that when I was age 15, 16 years old. It was the best, the most powerful decision I made that led to all things that are significant in my life, you know, you might want to do that right now. So here's what happens. All you have to do is say a prayer and tell God, that you want Him in your life and you want Jesus in your life and you talk to Him and he, and he fills you. Just like that cave, like that cave gets filled with His presence, your heart gets filled with His presence. It goes like this. You can pray with me right now if you want. God, I thank You for bringing me to the low place. It wasn't comfortable while I was there, but I'm thankful that You've been working in me. And I ask You that You would come into my life right now. Jesus, enter my life, enter my world. Holy Spirit, fill me with Your love and Your presence. Forgive me for my attitude, for anything I might have done to get myself in the low place as best I can. I'm going to follow You the rest of my life because I have Your transforming power. I pray these things according to Your identity, Jesus. Amen. It's good stuff right there that will transform your life.